Welcome to The Right to Shower, critical conversations on homelessness and cleanliness. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Right to Shower. The show's purpose is right there in the title. Over the course of this season, we'll be joined by leaders from NGOs, politicians, and other experts in social fields to explore why access to cleanliness is a fundamental human right. We'll break down biases, share intimate stories, come to new understandings, and discuss how providing access to cleanliness is helping those in the unhoused community. This podcast is brought to you by The Right to Shower. The Right to Shower helps build mobile showers for those experiencing homelessness. Stick around at the end of the podcast to learn how you can get involved. I'm your host, Darius Baxter, President and CEO of Good Projects, an organization based in Washington, D.C., helping families achieve their version of the American dream. And for our first episode, we've got two incredible guests, social entrepreneur and founder of Lava May X, Danise Sandoval, and CMO for The Uncovery at Unilever and co-founder of The Right to Shower, Laura Fruitman. Today, we're going to discuss who we are, why we do what we do, and why we focus on cleanliness, and what makes showers specifically such an amazing catalyst for change. I'm honored from the bottom of my heart to be joined today by Ms. Laura Fruitman and Ms. Donise Sandoval, two amazing women that have done even more amazing work here in the world. Thank you, ladies, for joining us today on the Right to Shower podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure. You all are two women that go without, you, you, you need no introductions, but for some of our viewers that may not know about yourselves and your amazing work, can you share a little bit uh, with us today? Uh, how about we start with you, Ms. Laura? Sure. So I'm Laura Fruitman, and I'm the co-founder of The Right to Shower. I helped build this brand as an entrepreneur in residence at Unilever. So I had been working on other personal care brands and talked so much about the power of a shower for Dove and for our, our regular consumers and who is more deserving of someone of a shower and the dignity that comes with it than people living on the streets. I grew up in New York City and homelessness is a huge issue in New York City and something that's been I've cared a lot about from a young age and spent a lot of time working in shelters and things like that. And so I think having the opportunity to build a brand that can have a real impact and not just a financial impact, but hopefully an awareness impact at the same time and using the power of Unilever, which is a company founded, you know, built with purpose to extend that purpose here has been incredible. So very excited to have it coming to life and be on this podcast talking with you guys. Uh, I think the the excitement really comes from me. And was that a New York City siren that I heard in the background? Is that from me? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm interested. Are you joining us today from the big city? I am calling from New York City. So yeah, there is always, I live right by Union Square. So there's always a lot of uh, hubbub going on outside. Um, hubbub. Okay. So hopefully you, you won't hear that or the girl above me just bought a trampoline. And I wish I was kidding. <laughs> but I'm not. I feel like I'm in a Saturday Night Live skit. And so if you hear jumping, there is legitimately someone with a trampoline upstairs. And now is usually her workout time. So just as a heads up, you'll hear one of those. <laughs> I think that uh, all of us in one way or another have had time to meet our next door neighbors in our apartments uh, since the start of COVID, maybe knowing a little bit too much about them. But Laura, I, I did want to just go a little bit deeper into some of the things you shared in your introduction. You talked about being an entrepreneur in residence at Unilever. Now, how in the holy heck does 
one end up with that experience. We're not talking about the mom and pop shop down the street, like this, this huge conglomerate. Here you find yourself as a young person being able to essentially start your own company within the company. How does one get to that point? I mean, I guess it depends who you ask. Uh, you would ask my previous boss. I'm, I'm not a shrinking violet and I'm a dog with a bone, so I don't let things go. Okay. But I think I've been at Unilever for, I've been there now for nine years. I think at the time of this, I was there a little more than six and just sort of had this idea of something that I wanted to do. We had had a conversation about it and I sort of pitched it to my boss on the shuttle ride home and then stayed up till four o'clock in the morning and just put together this pitch deck of, I think that this is something that we should do. And sort of came back to some very wonderful leaders who are very supportive of trying new things that Unilever has not necessarily piloted before and just said, can I have a little bit of money and try out this thing? And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, just a little bit of money, just need a little bit of money. So sort of started there and built the brand, you know, I think very scrappy. I think to your point, it's a big conglomerate, but they very much treated me like a startup. Mm -hmm. So things like friends of a friend is a photographer and the logo was designed by, uh, you know, my friend's friend and things like that. We've been there. But, you know, getting it, it makes you tough. Yeah, exactly. So able to use the power of Unilever to do good was great. Testament to them, I think. No, a testament to you. And you talk about being a dog without a bone and you talk about your childhood being uh, in and out of homeless shelters and how that led to you to where you are today. I, I don't know. I thought my life was a little bit different. I was in a fairly similar situation, really dedicated to service at a young age. But I understand now as I get over, that's an unusual background. <laughs> what was it for you that had you as a young person going in and out of these homeless shelters? So just so clear, I am lucky enough that I didn't experience homelessness myself. So I wasn't in and out of shelters myself. Mm -hmm. I went to a Quaker school mm -hmm. that had a huge commitment to the, the community. And so we had part of our curriculum or requirement was sort of these service pieces. And so there was a, there was a shelter that was associated with our school, but it actually much started at a much younger age. There was somebody I lived in New York City. And there was a man who lived in my neighborhood who I sort of became friends with. And every morning you'd say hello. And, you know, you're as a little kid. You just say hello to everyone. So somebody says hello, you say hello back. And we had sort of built this friendship with each other. And he had said to me once, you know, you're the only person that says hello to me every day. Hmm. And I went home to my mother, like enraged. How does this happen? There are so many people in the city. Why are people so terrible? You know, he's everyone is a human. Everyone believes is has the right to be seen. And I think through that, then my mother and, and through the school were sort of able to then help have that experience and talk to people and sort of connect on a human level, but also sort of be able to contribute to the community that I lived in, in that sense. So. Well, it seems like your life in more ways than one has been one of just putting yourself out there for some unusual connections. And usually it seems like it's worked out in a way that you find ways to have impact through those connections. One of the most important ones, I guess, is joining us today, Ms. Denise Sandoval. Senator, can you just tell us a little bit about your organization, Lava May? And then I'd love to actually hear, how did you all get connected in the first place, you and Laura? Sure. So despite having spent my entire career in the private sector, my background was in PR and marketing and branding. Around, I could say, 2011, you know, San Francisco was booming, had really recovered well from the Great Recession and my neighborhood, which was uh, in the central part of the city, but also a very diverse neighborhood, really began to gentrify. It even changed its name. 
here in D.C. I, I know the feeling all too well. We're seeing it every day. I'm with you. Right. Yes, it's everywhere still. We have mm-hmm. not figured that out yet, but it, it comes with the very high cost. And one of those um, prices that was paid was three of our neighbors, all African-American men in their 80s who we knew well, over a period of time were evicted from their homes, took up residence in their cars, and eventually ended up on the streets. And we did everything we possibly could to connect them to services, and we could connect them to certain services easily. But obviously what they needed was housing and the wait lists for housing were um, and still are thousands deep. So we ended up losing them. And my daughter, who was five at the time, was just heartbroken and just, you know, in shock that this could happen. And I couldn't explain to her why. So we began to get involved. We started volunteering with organizations who were working with people who are unhoused, Mm -hmm. but it didn't feel like enough. And I'm an ideas person. And I just thought if I keep my eyes open, you know, maybe there's something I can figure out to do. I mean, I knew people needed housing, but I had no clue how to go about and make that happen. And eventually I passed a young woman on the street who was saying to herself over and over again that she would never be clean. And it made me wonder what her chances were for getting physically clean because every unhoused person I saw was struggling with this. Went home, pulled up my laptop, looked at the information, and I found out that at the time, for the 7,500 plus people who were unhoused in San Francisco, there were about 16 shower stalls and as many toilets available for people to use. And I thought that that was appalling. That's a problem you have in, in another country, not in one of the most affluent cities in the world. And so I began to think, well, maybe this is something I can help with. Donnie, can you say that again for the people in the back, please, so they can, we can make sure that they hear you? <laughs> that this isn't a problem that we should be having in this country, one of the most affluent first world countries in the world. And yet it is profoundly problematic everywhere across this country. I don't know if with this recording, I can do like the alarm sounds, but if this was that moment, <laughs> I would be, I'll be blessed off. I'll make a do like the buzzer. Yeah. So we can double down on that because I agree with you, uh, I think a lot of our listeners would agree with you 100%. Right. But I'm, I'm very interested to know uh, how, to, so with all this being said, you launched this amazing organization in Lava May. How does a Lava May connect with the right to shower? <laughs> well, Laura might be best positioned to um, remind us all how you first heard about us, but we had had a, an original relationship with Unilever two years before. One of the things I think that was my superpower for Lava May was the ability to be able to consistently keep us in the media. We had international stories, New York Times, you know, The Guardian, Fast Company, all of these, you know, Newsweek. And that really elevated our visibility and brought us some incredible opportunities. So I remember in early 2018 getting a phone call from Laura and um, having this initial conversation. And then I said, I'm going to be in New York in April. And we met in person. And that is, that is when I first learned about the right to shower and what they were doing. And I was so incredibly impressed with the thoughtfulness, with every aspect of the way that they were sourcing you know, all of the elements for the product, the way that they were positioning it. And its ultimate goal is to connect people to dignity and showers and opportunities to be clean that I thought, you know, even if this relationship doesn't go forward, I'm an instant fan. I love this product and it smells amazing, you know, and it's wonderful to you. So it, it, it just rang all the bells for me. And so, you know, we began to plot, you know, how to collaborate. And it's, it's been an amazing partnership. This crazy thing, every day, uh, 
man makes plans and God laughs. And you start this organization with absolutely no idea about the right to shower. And then when you, the two of you all get together, it's almost like you were written for one another, it sounds like. Laura, do you, does that story get told a little bit differently for you? No, I mean, absolutely. It's funny hearing Donnie's remind us that I remember exactly that room and having the products laid out and her sort of holding them and we were having this moment. And it was just one of those moments where like, to exactly your point, everything's sort of firing. You're like, yes, yes. Oh my God. And that, and this and that. And, you know, we started like brainstorming. We like went right into it and then we could do this and we could try to do that. And it just was sort of one of those magical moments of how we sort of came together. It was kismet. Exactly. It was wonderful. And I actually think, I mean, even before then, to the point of reaching out to Donnie's, I think I had seen her TED talk, which was so inspiring. And she had spoken about her aha moment of having that experience of speaking to someone and, and having that connection. And it sort of resonated so much with me because sort of my aha moment was a very similar thing of, you know, someone feeling connected to someone who has then made it clear that they feel very invisible and people haven't really been looking at them. And I think I, again, it was sort of, again, kismet. I watched this TED talk in awe and heard this, you know, every sentence again was like, yes, and that's what we're doing. And a yes, and yes. And so was able to reach out. And that, yeah, that first meeting, I think was the, the beginning of what I think has been such an incredible partnership and really, you know, allowed us to achieve what we want to achieve. I think the beauty of this partnership is I always knew, you know, I care about homelessness and it's something that that matters to me, but that's not my, you know, I, I've never worked professionally in that sense. I don't really know how to have the impact on the street. What I know how to do is build brands and build awareness and do marketing and build, you know, sustainable revenue streams. And so I think without Donise, the impact wouldn't be there. And it allows sort of, my hope was that it allows us to do what we do best as a brand and build, you know, products that people love and build marketing campaigns that can resonate with people so that we can then work with, with Lava May and have them be able to make an even bigger impact and hopefully provide sustainable revenue stream. I'm interested when I hear you say that, Laura, because when we have these sparks of innovation that come into our hearts and our minds and our souls, especially when they involve helping others, we're doing things every single day that just seem so mundane and so rudimentary and so simple as if everybody is doing it. But here you are leading what is now a global brand, if I'm correct. People can find this product, obviously, in, in stores and uh, Whole Foods and can order on Amazon. But here you are leading this global brand. And you are able to humbly sit here today and say, as a company and as a corporation, we wanted to do what we did best, which was to the examples that you just shared. And it was a necessity for us to partner with somebody like a Donise and a Lava May to be able to truly live out our mission and our vision for a company. Like what lesson can other entrepreneurs, whether big or we're talking about global companies, what can they learn from you and what you've done with the right to shower, especially when it comes to partnering with organizations like Denise's Leading and Lava May? There's a few elements of this, and especially I think specifically as a social enterprise, right? Because I think this is where this comes in the most, that realizing I mean, to use Donise's word again, your superpowers, right? What are your superpowers and how do you partner with people who have complementary superpowers so that together you're even more powerful than you are alone and knowing what you can do and what you can't do. And I think, and who is are sort of the experts and the people that can help you achieve your goal in the best way possible. I think 
finding those experts and those people who can advise. I mean, it's not just through Lava Man Donis that we're able to have the impact, but we're also able to, you know, truly understand what's going on uh, on the streets and with people who are experiencing homelessness, really have conversations, really, you know, capture, I think, stories in, in a way that we wouldn't be able to understand language, understand what's, you know, I think it's a real connection to the reality of what's going on. And I think finding those partners who can really help make sure that your message is authentic and real and that you're actually able to do something tangible versus, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of brands with purpose that I think talk about purpose and what really matters at the heart of it. And at the end of the day to consumers is that actually you're really doing it and you're not just saying it. How can you do it? Um, not just say it. Yeah. And can I just jump in here and reiterate how important that... Um, of course. Of course, Danis. That authenticity is. I think that that was one of the things that was so powerful for me from the beginning was feeling Laura's commitment, but true passion for this issue and wanting to make a difference. I think, you know, when there's a lot that's talked about brands and purpose, and often it's the the driver for the brand, you know, there is, you have to have the intersection of meaning and money, right? You can't just have meaning. You're, you're, especially when you're a public company, you have to make money or you die. But sometimes it's about the brand above all else and not really a deep sensitivity to the impact on the issue that you're trying to make. And that has never been the case with the partnership with the right to shower. It has really been deeply and truly ultimately about the people that get served and about connecting them with their dignity and the opportunity that comes with being clean. And it's, it's one of, you know, we've, we've had many corporate partners and some have not been about purpose and we've quickly let those go. But that is, it, it's something that has been very special about this particular partnership and beautiful and rare. <laughs> oh, thank you. I have a, a, a million and one things to celebrate about you, Denise, but I think it's more the conviction than anything to be able to hold true in that way to say, hey, regardless of who this corporate partner is and what they think they might bring to the table, if they're not aligned with us and our mission and vision, they're not a good partner for us. And I think that's a lesson that a lot of us can learn and uh, will continue to learn as you pursue uh, your mission. But to get into the big question of the day, why showers? Why is cleanliness often overlooked as a core need of support in unhoused communities? This is something that we all want to know. And uh, there's no two people that are more uniquely uh, positioned to answer it for us. So just to kick off this part of the conversation, Denise, can you just share with us, what are some of the lesser known negative effects of not having access to cleanliness? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Let's just start with the dignity factor, right? So imagine that you've been sick for a period of time or you got off a really long flight and how do you feel? You feel terrible. And that moment that you get to get into a shower or you've had a really stressful day and you pop in the shower, it's like you're renewed, right? You reconnect with a sense of yourself. And that is one of the most powerful aspects of getting clean. But it is also you know, by getting and staying clean, you remove barriers to opportunity. So when people are clean, then they can apply for jobs and they can apply for housing. We see people on the streets who are not well, who have open wounds, who've been released from the hospital with surgeries, but have just, you know, they, they can't keep them. So they're putting them on the street right away. And if they don't get clean, then they're going to get infections. And then 
we're still in the midst of COVID where it's still incredibly important to be able to wash your hands, to be able to get yourself clean, put on clean clothes, do all of that, especially if you're living on the streets in such tight quarters with other people. So a shower is something so fundamental to who we are. And I think for most people, you never think about it because if we live in a home, we have easy access to- Something you take for granted. Yes, but it is so vital to our sense of self and to opportunities that we overlook. Every single day, I can tell you today, I'm, I'm definitely feeling it. The hot water is out in my building. Oh, no. and, uh, <laughs> you, don't, you don't appreciate that warm shower mm-hmm. more than when that hot water is out. <laughs> oh, yes. oh my gosh. Uh, so I can only imagine to make it just a few hours without being able to take a hot shower for somebody living in a state of homelessness. This is something they're experiencing for what it sounds like days, weeks at a time. Even years, yes. Wow. Wow. So with that being said, it just seems like every day we're here, especially in places like New York City, where you're joining us from, Laura. Uh, oh, my gosh, this this bill just came through that's going to pour uh, several more million dollars into uh, the homeless issue in a state. This foundation or this uh, big funder or investor has donated to homelessness, yet we see this problem every single day on our streets. And especially as you shared, Donnie, during COVID, we saw it exacerbated. So Laura, can you share with us, what are some of the things that these traditional resources that we're seeing around homelessness, what are they leaving on the table? It's a very complex issue, right? And I think that if there was a simple answer to this, this would have been, we would have been working towards this a long time ago. And there's so many, I think, you know, one of the things that we learned in this process and that I learned is sort of the complexity of the different forms of issues and how they overlap mental health, medical, family, you know, all the sort of different elements as to why people end up on the street, why people are having difficulty getting off the street. And there's different things that people need, right? There's jobs, there's housing, there's dignity. And through through cleanliness, there is, you know, mental health services, medical services, so many different things that sort of are affecting these people. So I wish that there was a single answer. I think we've we've tried to sort of look at it from one of the things that we can look at, which is the most basic, as we've said, around a shower. But that by no means means we're sort of fixing everything. And I don't mean it to sound hopeless. I think that there is hope. And I do think that the more the conversation does come up and even just feeling hardened hearing it in presidential debates or having it, you know, brought up in mayoral election that just happened. There was a whole conversation around what are we going to do around homelessness and, and addressing it in a in a real way. So at least it's I feel heartened that it has become in, you know, part of the conversation, especially now. But yeah, I don't know. I think there's still a lot of work to do. <laughs> but I don't think that it's a lack of trying, at least from most of these organizations. I think people sort of I've never met people with more heart and more compassion than some of the people we've worked with through this process. I'll give you that 100%. And it's something that you said, a, a word. You guys are dropping gems today. The first one being purpose. And Donnie, you mentioned that one. And Laura, you just mentioned a word that I think is, is equally important, hope. Funny that you share that word. I was speaking to one of my mentors earlier today, and she gave me a tidbit of how she's defining hope these days. And it's holding on to positive expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's almost impossible in the work that we find ourselves doing, taking on these momentous, momentous, momentous problems, not to have hope every single day. And 
just again, I sit in honor of you all as I just hear more about the amazing things that you all are doing. But as you all look towards the future for your organizations, both individually, but more so collectively, what are some of the things that you are, you're most proud of that you're working on at the Right to Shower in Lava Bay? I can go first. I think the relationship with the Right to Shower has been this incredible springboard for a direction that Lava Bay was moving in already. We actually sort of made a pivot in 2020, and we are now called Lava May X because we are an accelerator to help more of the world do the kind of work we do because we've had an incredible demand from communities globally wanting to learn how to launch and sustain their own programs. And as part of the Right to Shower program, that's been a lot of it is to be able to enable Lava May to turn around and provide seed funding through the right to shower and training and support to help other communities start their own programs. And this is where so exciting. the amplification is happening, right? So we go from having hyper-local impact to now having this global impact as we see more and more communities coming online with these programs. And that's what is super exciting to me. It gives me hope that there are so many communities that want to step up and address this. And it gives me hope that, you know, Lava May, through great partnerships like the Right to Shower, is in a position to be able to make more of that happen, which is so powerful. Laura, anything you're most excited about or proud of? I think the Right to Shower is continuing to grow and find new ways to have impact. And sort of, I think the, the growth of the brand and the excitement from our consumers has been incredible and sort of seeing that move forward. So from a brand perspective, I'm really excited. We just launched a like box with like-minded companies. So with Swell and Welly and Kindbar, sort of a holiday gift box. And so finding different ways to bring awareness to the issue and partner with other people who want to also have an impact. Well, I'd love to, to get you all's reaction um, to this quote by the, the great philosopher, Deion Sanders. And <laughs> he said once upon a time, if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. And if you play good, then they pay good. <laughs> I, I, wanted, I, I wanted to share this quote with you all because obviously in the work that you're doing, cleanliness is very important. And we know food can nourish and housing can shelter, but what does cleanliness provide to a person? You know, I love, I love that you set Dion Sanders up as a philosopher. And that quote, though, is very telling. It is also you know, quite accurate. I can't tell you the number of times when we've seen a guest go in who hasn't had access to a shower days, weeks, and sometimes, sadly, you know, months on end, and they walk out or they know that they're going to be able to use it again and again with an incredible swagger, like a this is me. Mm -hmm. Aren't I awesome? This is amazing. And I told you the man is a philosopher. You know, it lifts everybody around them, but it also, it lifts them. And then we've seen people go off and feel like, well, now I've got what it takes to go and apply for a job. So I'm going to Starbucks to sign up to be a barista or something. And, and that's happened, right? So it is about the mental state, right? When you eliminate the barriers and not being clean is definitely one of them, not just from the cleanliness perspective, but again, to that sense of self-worth, right? Then it empowers people to think the way that Deion Sanders did. Now, now if we could only get forward, figure out how to get people paid like that, that would be it. We could solve that problem. We got to talk to the producers. 
No, Laura, I love you all's energy today. And anybody that can give me a retort to a Deion Sanders quote, uh, uh, you're, you're a friend of mine. You're a, fr- you're a friend of mine, Donisha. You're a friend of mine. Awesome. You're a friend of mine. <laughs> but to get back into it. So, uh, Laura, what do you think are some of the social needs that uh, that every human needs at the end of the day, but are just too often overlooked? We talk here about showering in something that simple that we just take for granted on a day-to-day basis, that just just wake up, you hop in the shower, you put your clothes on, and you head out into your day. But are there other examples of that that the listeners can find themselves looking out for and even involve themselves with organizations? Are there other examples of these sort of basic needs? A huge thing we always talk about is connection and not feeling invisible. People ask me all the time, what can I do? Right? I see people on the subway, I see someone on the street, what do I do? And my first answer is even just say, hi, thank you. You know, do you have any money? I'm sorry, I don't have anything, but I hope you have a nice day, right? Like acknowledging the presence of other people. And I think homelessness and people who are living on the streets and experiencing this are so often overlooked. So much so, I think it because sometimes people really don't even notice, right? Themselves. Mm. Oh. Oh my gosh, let me hit the buzzer on that one. That's a buzzer moment, Laura. Sometimes people don't notice who say that again for the people in the back, Laura. I think, you know, there are people who are so uncomfortable that they sort of block it out and for whatever reason. And if you can look within yourself and sort of say, we all go through different things in our lives. We all have found ourselves on hard times. Most of us, luckily enough, not so hard that we've had to live on the streets. But it's an experience. And I think, you know, this was something I think that Donise has pushed really hard. And I experienced, I appreciate this so much. It's, you know, we don't say homeless people. It's people experiencing homelessness. It's not a, it's not a personality trait to be living on the street. It's something that they're experiencing and that they're going through. And they're a human who is going through this experience. And so no matter what, and that's why I talk about, you know, my experience as a child, because when you're a child, you don't, there's sort of a purity, right? Somebody says, hello, you say hello back. Someone says, how are you doing? You say very well, thank you. How about you? And then somehow as an adult, we sort of change that and sort of, you know, ignore a whole group of people. And if you think back to that basic humanity of just connecting with other people and not feeling alone in this world. Well, we're coming to our our last few minutes of today's show. But one of the last questions that I did want to ask you all, let's dream for a second, right? To your point about being that kid, let's take it there. And you can create any world that you want. The world is your oyster. It's your canvas. Walls. (laughs) I remember finger painting on walls. I got in trouble for that a few times. But I'm interested to hear on an individual level. And don't feel like you have to answer the same through the partnership. But everything that you were doing was successful. What would your impact look like in the world? And we're going to start with you, Donise. You know, I think one of the things that we always talk about is that every human being would be afforded their basic rights, right? So the right to be clean, the right to housing, all of those things that are so fundamental to who we are. So if Lavame were exponentially successful, not only at like, you know, providing the hygiene aspect and training the world to do this, but delivering our radical hospitality, which is all rooted in kindness and sense of belonging, if that were amplified and was everywhere in the world. And ultimately what that led to was access to all of that. People are housed. People have a sense of belonging. 
people are clean, people have food, people have a right to education and healthcare. That would be an unbelievable, my pink sky world, right? That would be bingo. What better way to hope for the future and the possibility of realizing the true sense of our humanity? We always used to say, my dream was that this brand no longer existed because there was no longer a need, right? That we had solved the issue, that you know, the idea that there were people in the world who didn't have access to cleanliness was so unfathomable that you didn't need a brand to think about that and we could move on to something else. Or hopefully there was nothing else to move on to if we're really dreaming big and having a big sky moment. But I couldn't agree with what Donnie said more. I think that would be the hope. We set a goal when we started this brand. At the time, there were, I think it was 350,000 people living on the streets and 550,000 people, excuse me, living on the streets in the US when we started. And our goal that we wrote down at the beginning was that there would be zero people, that all 550,000 people would no longer be living on the street which sounds crazy, but you have to dream crazy if you're going to try and work towards it. And that is the goal. The goal is that we can end this as an issue. And to Donnie's point, that people's basic fundamental human rights are met. Hopefully we can get there. I think it might take a little bit longer, but you know. Audacity, the only way to go. (laughs) Exactly. It was so special when you just said, Laura, and it's something that I tell my team every single day when we enter into our work at Good Projects. There's no room for complacency here because all of us are going to be in the unemployment line. What? What did you say that for? Because we're working to put our organization out of business. And anybody that steps foot into a space or this space where we're looking to impact the lives of individuals that all too often have been left out, we shouldn't be working to be a savior. We should be working to be a catalyst so that at the end of the day, they can support themselves and their loved ones. But with that being said, Ms. Laura, how can the listeners get more involved in the right to shower? Well, I think that the easiest way is to buy our products. We donate a percentage of our profits to help Johnny's and there or work directly with Lava May. There's a whole bunch of resources of ways that you can get involved. And I think if you go, I mean, the easiest way is if you go to our website, you can see all the different ways that you can get involved with us as a brand and hopefully help spread the word. I think, you know, we want to be catalyst to exactly your point of awareness of change of impact. And so we hope people will be aware of our brand. You know, I think the whole point of the right to shower is that we all need soap as, you know, lucky people who have a home (laughs) and have a shower, we we need soap. And why not make that purchase an impactful one? And so if you're going to pick a brand, pick a brand where it's not just, I think the products are wonderful and hopefully the listeners will try them out and they smell great and they're all vegan and natural and no harmful chemicals. But so they're not only good for you, but they're good for other people and, and they make an impact while you use them. So that's beautiful. And Ms. Donise, how can the listeners get involved with not Lava May? We've upgraded. How can listeners get involved in Lava May X? Yes. So if you're in the Bay Area or Los Angeles, you can totally come out and volunteer with us when we do direct service and experience radical hospitality and help deliver that yourself. Or you can, and I'm going to push the arrow back to to the right to shower because by buying their products, you enable more of Lava Mayx's opportunity to support new communities as they come online to create their own shower services. Um, and of course, you can always give directly by going to lavamayx.org. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, we look forward to continuing to follow you all's amazing journeys. Um, you've already set quite the path. 
for people all around the world to follow. But thank you for joining the Right to Shower podcast today. And we look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Darius. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of The Right to Shower. And thanks also to Lauren Donnie's for being here and telling us the incredible impact a simple shower can have. If you'd like to get involved, there's a few ways you can. You can visit therighttoshower.com slash get involved to learn more about opportunities to volunteer or donate. You can also buy our shower products on therighttoshower.com or through Amazon. For every soap you buy and shower you take, you help us bring showers to the streets. Another free and simple way you can help is to rate this podcast. Leave a review or share it with friends so we can spread the power of shower to even more people. I'm Darius Baxter, and this has been The Right to Shower.